1 Corinthians, please. We've been studying this little book. It seems like the theme of the book is chapter 3, verse 1. I could not write unto you as unto spiritual, but unto carnal. This church was not a spiritual church. Some of the greatest truths in the entire Bible are in this, past, this, this little book. But Paul was writing to deal with problems. Some of those problems, they were confused over their leaders. Some were saying, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas. One little group said, I'm of Christ, having to do with the rest of them. And they were divided. And then they were confused over taking each other to court. And Paul said, did you not know that the saints will judge the world? Are there not some Christians in the church that could help with this? You don't have to go to the public court. And then they were confused over immorality. In chapter five, there's the, a man having an affair with his father's wife. Probably not his mother, but maybe a stepmother or someone else that was sort of a wife to his dad. And he was having a, an immoral affair. Paul had to deal with that. And then they were confused over marriage. Chapter seven deals with marriage. If you want to know what God says about marriage, read chapter seven. We dealt with that a few weeks ago. And then in chapter eight, the sin of indifference. The sin of indifference. And also the sin of taking, eating meat offered to idols. And Paul said an idol is nothing. Eating meat offered to idols doesn't hurt anybody unless it offends somebody's conscience. In that case, he said, I'll eat no meat while the world stands. The sin of influence. It is very important for us to realize that what we do has an influence on everybody else. Nobody operates as a law unto himself. Some of the illustrations I've given as we've studied this book, some didn't like. I mentioned some illustrations and some didn't like it at all. Well, the problem is, if eating meat offend my brother, I'll eat no meat while the world stands. That, that, that reminds us that we need to live with an awareness of how our actions may relate to somebody else or may offend somebody else. And then uh, we come to chapter 10. And we studied this last Sunday morning and Sunday night, but I want to continue there tonight, beginning in verse 5. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 5. But with man, with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And he lists five areas of sin that caused the children of Israel to be overthrown in the wilderness. Let's look at them rather carefully. Number one, they lusted after evil things. Verse six. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. They become dissatisfied with the spiritual food of manna and the water from the rock. Keep in mind that in verse 4, he said that rock was Christ. Not that Christ was a stone falling around in the wilderness, 
but that rock symbolized Christ's presence. When they had the manna in John chapter 6, Jesus said that manna, you thought the, the Moses gave it to you, it came from my Father in heaven. And it was a symbol of the bread of life. And then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And if you take this bread, you'll never be hungry again. You take this water, you'll never be thirsty again. Well, they lusted after the leeks and onions and the food of Egypt. So much they grumbled against God. They were not satisfied. That's a picture of our day today. A lot of people are not satisfied with anything. They lusted every, every look verse seven. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's how spiritually involved they were. They sat down to eat and drink and got up to play. Playing has become a major force in America. Let that sink in a moment. Nothing wrong with games. I really appreciate our basketball team. I've tried to go to as many of those t games as possible. Can't go to all of them, but I appreciate them. I appreciate the way our guys play. I wish you could have been there last night and seen them play against giants. There was a team came down from Litchfield, seven or eight feet tall. I think some were 10 feet tall. They thought they were too. And they were shocked that our team kept their score down. And our team were winners, even though the scoreboard said something different. I like that, I like our basketball team, but keep in mind that most of our students at Anchored have other things on their hearts also. Some of the guys out there playing have been called to preach and they're serving the Lord in a wonderful way. Many of them are serving God in a special way. What Paul is speaking of here is they lusted after evil things and then they became idolatrous. They put other things before God. We must never do that. Nothing can ever come between our soul and the Savior. There's an old song that says, nothing between my soul and the Savior. And you almost have to have a heart that is so closely akin to the heart of Jesus that you don't get offended when the preacher preaches on this. A lot of people don't understand it. I don't know how God's people can go feast on a ball game on Sunday. You don't like that, I know. I love it anyway. I love you anyway, even if you don't like what I'm preaching. But I'm telling you, you need to be careful about those things. Do you know what the Sabbath day was to the Jews in the Old Testament? It was a sign. Everywhere they went, they didn't work on the Sabbath day. And somebody come along and say, well, why don't you work on Saturday? Everybody else does. They say, I'm glad you asked. We worship the Lord God who made the whole world in six days and we told, were told to rest on the seventh day. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Sunday is the resurrection day. And the reason we keep Sunday separate from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is because it's the day we celebrate the resurrection of Christ from early in the morning to late at night. 
I love you anyway. If you don't agree with me, I love you anyway. But remember, don't lust after these things. That's what God says. Don't become idolatrous in your actions and reactions. Look at verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. What he's referring to is when Balak called Balaam and said, would you have, would you come and curse the Israelites? They're coming through our land and we don't want them to come through our land and, and we don't care a thing about them. And uh, uh, I want you to come up here and, and look, at, look at them and curse them. Well, first of all, Balaam shouldn't have gone, but he did. And that's the case where the donkey he was riding talked. <laughs> and Balak took him to three different places. Look down there, curse them. And Balaam said, I can't do that, but I can tell you how to curse them. Well, how do you do it? Throw a big party. Have your girls invite all those Israeli guys over here and just have a big shindig. And they did. And God said, he had to destroy three and 20,000 because of their immorality. That's going on today, everywhere. Immorality, premarital sex, adults swapping husbands and wives, some man coming home and say, I don't love you anymore, I'm going to get somebody else. Some girl coming home, say, I don't love you anymore, husband, I'm going to get somebody else. God forbid. God says, that's the reason I'm having to write to you. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. They, just, they, they tempted the Lord. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then number 10, <laughs> verse 10. This is one we could park on and stay here all night, but we won't. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Murmuring is a treacherous thing. You get unhappy about something or somebody or someone and you murmur against them. Murmuring is a sin. Somebody gets ahead of you, you murmur. Somebody lives a little bit closer to the Lord, you murmur. In, among young people, they call them Mr. Two, Goody Two-Shoes, or Holier Than Thou, or Holy Joel. You know why they do that? They want to bring that person down. Dr. Gordon said a great lesson when he preached here many, many times. He said, you know why a dog barks at a car? Because the car is bigger than the dog. And that's the reason a lot of people murmur because they're big, they're, they're, they're barking at somebody that's bigger than they are and they're just showing themselves what they are. Neither murmur as some of them murmured. Then he goes into 12 and 13 and I'll be finished. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with a temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. 
I would like to go on and finish the rest of this chapter, but I'm going to stop right here. Look at verses 12 and 13. It's worth memorizing. You ought to mark it in your Bible. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's a verse that applies to every one of us. Every preacher, every deacon, every Sunday school teacher, every mother, every daddy, every son, every daughter, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And then he goes on to say, there is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with that temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. Isn't it wonderful? Every one of us is tempted. I started to have our quartet come and sing, tempted and tried, we're all made to wonder. That's a great old song. Tempted and tried, I'm often made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long when there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. And we face that all the time. We're tempted in little things and in big things. We're tempted to break the Ten Commandments. We're tempted to covet. Thou shalt not covet. We're tempted to bear false witness. We're tempted to kill. Wait a minute, no, I've never killed anybody. Wait a minute. Have you ever hated anybody? Jesus said killing starts in the heart. If you dislike somebody so much you talk against them, be very careful. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So look for that door of escape. It's there. God promised it. When you're faced with a strong temptation, keep in mind, there's a door of escape for a Christian. God may bring some scripture to your mind. God may interrupt your thoughts. Someone may come and bring some situation to you. And you have to change your thinking. God has a thousand ways to help us through the temptation. In order for us to be able to bear that temptation and not go into sin. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We could give illustrations tonight about how that works out. It's a sad, tragic thing. A lot of times, people who are worthy, wonderful people, godly people, they face a certain temptation God provides a door of escape, but they don't go through that door. They go on into the temptation. Now, listen. What happens when you sin tells what's really inside of you. If you can sin and follow that sin and it doesn't bother you, and God doesn't send anybody to you to remind you to get out of that, and you just keep on in it, you probably are not saved. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye illegitimate. You're a bastard, not a son. So when you make a mistake, or some sin comes into our life, and God begins to hurt our heart about it, or maybe send somebody to us about it, thank God. That's God dealing with us. Always be grateful. To God be the glory, great things he hath done.
Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God in all of its authority and its power, its efficacy. Help us to believe and receive and move out on your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. Let's sing again, number 13. Since I started for the kingdom, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And I think most of us would have to say that's really true. I found that true in my life. The longer, how many would have to say, the longer I've served him, the sweeter he grows. Yeah, he's precious to us. He's wonderful. And uh, if you're here tonight and you're not sure whether you're saved or not, don't leave without knowing Jesus. And listen, if we really know Jesus, let's ask God to use us this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, to plan to bring someone to the house of God Sunday. Maybe somebody who doesn't know Jesus or somebody who's been away and bring them in from the fields of sin. God will bless us as we do that. If God's put on your heart to come and pray, make any kind of commitment, you do what God says. While we sing this great old hymn, The Longer I Serve Him.